0: God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today, and thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are, anywhere in Israel, anywhere in the world. And we hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and the promises He has for your life. Now, would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis? Of course, that's where we're trying to get through to the end of Genesis pretty quickly over the next few weeks. And we're going to be in Genesis 40 today, chapter 40. That's where we're going to be, and as you know, we'll also put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about patient in the plan, about having patience In God's plan for your life. This is going to be a two-part series that we're going to be talking about patient in the plan. And part one is today and part two will be next week. And they really work very, very closely together. So you can't really separate the two together, but it's a little much to talk about in the detail that we need to cover it with in just one week. So we'll cover part one this week. We'll cover part two next week. Don't miss either one. Today, we're going to begin with part one. You know, we're talking about patient in the plan or having patience in His plan, God's plan. And here's the way it works out. In our own life, we need to have that patience because we all have things happen in life that we don't understand. Opportunities that didn't work out like we thought that they would things that didn't work out in the time that we expected. We thought they would already be here, and they're not here yet. And now it seems like it's too late to get an answer for the problems that we're facing. We had people close to us that betrayed us, people that lied about us at times, and those lies not only hurt us personally, but they also hurt our reputation and our, uh, our job prospects, maybe with other people or other companies, down the road because people hear these things and while it may just be gossip it still has an impact on their life and how they feel about us so when someone gossips about you and lies about you that hurts you personally but it also hurts your chances to keep going in life with a good reputation And there's so many things, in fact, in life that can come against you. And it's easy to view every little trial that comes your way as as an attack on you personally. You go through life, it seems, with one battle to another, always looking for the victory, always looking for how you're going to combat what's going on in that trial. What we really need is some peace and rest in life. You start thinking that maybe God is angry with you when you see these trials. And you think maybe, well, I did something wrong and God's angry at me. And that's why he's bringing all these trials onto me and against me. It's easy to view the situation you're in as it keeps you down. And you see it as something bad that came your way. And you're trying to get rid of it. But have you ever thought about this? God brings some of these things your way to make you stronger and to set you up for what He's going to do that's really beautiful in just a short time after this trial. Some of the brightest times come right after some of the darkest times. You know, we've heard that thing that, you know, the dawn comes after the darkest night. Well, of course it does. And we see these things as bad. But many of the things that God allows us to go through are really good. And sometimes we see them as bad because they don't match our plans for life. And when things don't match your plans, and when things seem like they're getting in the way of what you want to do, that makes you a little angry. And that makes you want to fight what's going on there, right? But you know the book of Jeremiah says that we are not able to plan our own ways. Jeremiah 10, 23, I believe that is. It says we are unable to plan our own ways. But the same book of Jeremiah, Yer miyahu hanavi beavrit, in Hebrew, Yer hanavi, it's how we say Jeremiah the prophet. In that book, in the same book, in another chapter, it says that God has plans for you. Plans that are good, not to hurt you, but to do good to you plans to give you a hope and a future. Now that's what we need. We need hope in life. We need to see that our future is being taken care of and that everything is beseder, in order. That's how we say it in Hebrew. Like the Passover seder, there's a certain order that you do Passover. So when you ask someone, Mashlam Cha, how are you doing? His answer to you is usually Beseder. Everything is in order. Be in seder. Order. In order. Well, we tend to think of these problems that come against us as things that are trying to get in our way of doing what we want to do in life. But like we're saying, God has a much better plan for you. And in fact, it says that we're unable to plan our own way. Do you want to keep going down that road and make your plans and choose something that's going to be bad for you later on? Because you don't know the future, you could certainly do that. Or do you want to put everything in God's hands? Because He knows the future, number one. Number two, He's all powerful. Number three, He loves you more than you can imagine. He's already proven that on the cross. So there you go. He's much wiser than you are. He's all-powerful, so no one can stop Him from blessing you. And He wants to bless you, and He showed that because He loves you. And He showed that love on the cross of Calvary. So isn't it better, instead of trusting your own flawed wisdom, instead of trusting what you think is best for you and not knowing what tomorrow holds and everything might go downhill after tomorrow because of something you didn't know about today, isn't it better than trusting yourself to trust the Lord with your life? You see, He's letting you go through these things. The things you're facing, He's letting you go through them. Some of them He's brought to teach you and to strengthen you. At other times, the enemies of God are trying to hurt you. But God has promised us in Romans 8 that He even takes that and will turn that into the good for us. Even the things that were sent to us to hurt us, God will take them and make them boomerang back around on the enemy and they'll turn out blessing us more instead of hurting us. It's easy to see the situations that we're in as something holding us back. But really, they're holding us there until it's time to receive that blessing that God has been prepared for you. Now, God can always use adversity to take you to a place that you would have never gone on your own. And in the end, He'll lead you through that hard ground in that trial and that valley of trials and onto a tremendous blessing. But you have to go through those valleys first before you get to that mountaintop. The seeds have to be planted in the fertile soil before you get to enjoy the fruit that one day they'll yield. But just because they're planted in the soil doesn't mean that God doesn't like you, you see. He's doing His work in the perfect time that fruit will appear and you'll be blessed by it. But you wouldn't want to take that seed up before it actually even broke through the ground and try to eat that seed early. That wouldn't be any good. Why don't you wait on the plan of God? Wait on the timing of God. He has perfect timing. We recognize God's hand moving in our own lives when we see a great blessing from Him. When we see how much we've been blessed, He does something that's just wonderful, and we see that miracle that He sent our way, and we see it, and oh, glory, hallelujah, we're happy now. But we don't think about acknowledging His work when we find ourselves in the darkness. Wondering what went wrong. Asking yourself how you're going to get through that trial. But when things don't happen like you think they should, when you think they should, remember this. God's perfect timing is perfect. We're being redundant. God's timing is perfect. He's a perfect God. His timing is perfect. Perfect wisdom. He knows exactly when to bless you. And He's not going to be late about that. And you don't want to be early because you might actually get off the road that He has you on that's going to lead you to that blessing. We'll find that out in the verses that we're going to read today. God knows the perfect timing for the blessing He's got for you. And in the same way, you wouldn't want to hurry things along and miss that blessing, now would you? In the end, all of these things that come your way, the betrayals, the lies against you, the delays in the plan, are actually all being used by God to grow and to prepare your blessing in life. You just need to lean on His timing, trust in His wisdom, and stop trying to figure everything out yourself and make things happen with your own strength, your own plans, your own limited wisdom, and your own schedule. Each of those things you've faced is being used by God to direct your steps, to bring you to just the right place at just the right time. You just need to remember that God's wisdom is perfect, He loves you greatly, and that He's all-powerful, remember? When we remember these three things, we realize that we can rest in Him. You can leave it all in His hands. And at just the right time, He'll show you how He's taken everything you've gone through, and He'll turn it into something beautiful. Just wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, as we go through these verses today, we're going to see a theme that we're going to be studying that's going to carry us through next week as well, because Joseph is going through trials now. But in the same way, you may be surrounded by darkness. Unsure of which way to go what to do uncertain of what's going on and why this is all happening to you But just be patient where you are be patient where you are God has a plan for you. He's tenderly preparing for you and he's bringing you through these times of darkness uncertainty and trial because that's how he's getting you to the blessing that he's prepared for you and the blessing he has for you is amazing It's worth the wait. It's worth the trials. God has prepared something for you that is absolutely amazing. Don't get off the path, let Him lead you through life. And that new day is right the other side of that trial that you're in. Just be patient in His plan. Though things are clear now, God is at work. And He will bring you out to that blessing soon. Soon. Things don't look too clear right now, do they? I mean, you look around, you can't make sense of it, but know that God is there with you. He's promised He'll never leave you nor forsake you, and He's going to bring you out the other side into that light and into that blessing soon. Just patiently wait on God's plan in His hand to move. That's the way it was, as we said, with Joseph in our chapter today. So now let's look at Genesis chapter 40 and starting at verse 1. It it says, it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, that's paro. Remember that's how we say pharaoh, beavrit, in Hebrew, beavrit, in Hebrew. That's how we say pharaoh is the word paro. And so it came to pass that the butler and the baker of Paro, the king of Egypt, offended their lord somehow. We don't know how. It offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Paro was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison the place where Joseph was confined. Remember, that's where he ended up last week after he had all these false accusations made against him. And it says in verse 4, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. The guy who ran the prison had seen that God was with Joseph, with this young man, and, and that he was taking care of all the things in the prison, and God was blessing him when he did. And the whole prison was being run in order, and everyone was as happy as they could be in prison, and there weren't a lot of riots and things like that. And Joseph was doing something there that it was obvious that God was with him. And so the captain of the guard had charged Joseph with this baker and the wine bearer that had worked for Pharaoh. And there it says that Joseph served them. Now think about that. It says, so that he served them so they were in custody for a while. That's what the verses said. But notice verse 4, Joseph was in charge of the people, of all the prisoners there, and he served them. Oh, I wished our people in government would see that verse how often do they think well I'm in charge now and and you are all here for me and to serve me no godly people serve others and that's what Joseph was doing even though he was in a position of authority within the prison he trained himself to serve others When you serve others, there's an unexpected return that you get on that. They love you and they are loyal to you and they in turn want to serve you because they know, they feel, they see that you care for them. Here Joseph is serving these other people who have just been admitted. They had just come to the prison. All the other people, he knew what their stories were, no doubt. But here's these two of them come to the prison. And it doesn't say that Joseph looked at them and wondered, well, what evil did they do? And just automatically thinking, well, here they are in prison. They must have done something wrong. And I bet it was really bad. He didn't say any of that. He didn't think about that. He just served them. He said, okay, here's what we do. Here's where we eat and everything. And, and here's the things that we can do for you while you're here. To, I know it's not comfortable for you to be here, but as much as we can, we can help each other out. And I'm here to serve you. And he comes up to them and he tries to encourage them as they come to this dark and dreary place. Now, remember, Joseph knows a little bit about being treated wrong. His brothers sold him into slavery in the land of Canaan. Sold him to a group of passing Ishmaelites who then sold him to someone else, Potiphar. And Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, of Pharaoh's security force. And Joseph didn't know any one of these people. He was being sold like so much property. He wasn't being treated like a person. He had no one he could trust. No one who truly cared about him. All they cared about was how much work they could get out of him and how much food they would have to give him to get that work. He didn't have anyone that truly cared for him. But he knew the secret. He knew that God was there with him, and God truly cared for him. But in the house of Potiphar, the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, once he was sold by the Ishmaelites to Potiphar, the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, God blessed Joseph with favor, and his master noticed that everything that Joseph did, everything that he assigned him to do, Joseph would do, and it somehow became so blessed and worked out so beautifully that Potiphar started giving him other things to do. That's a biblical principle, you know, is when you're faithful in what is least, you'll get more. That's what Jesus said. So be faithful in what is given you. Don't complain. Don't try to assert yourself and raise yourself up by your own bootstraps. Instead, do a good job. Be in communication with God. Let God bless you in what you're doing. And let your other people raise you up when they see the hand of God upon your life. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. And let God promote you. Don't worry about when your promotion is due and don't worry about, well, I didn't get the promotion that that guy did or I don't make as much, as much money as she does over there and don't worry about what is happening with other people. You just give your life to God and do the best you can in your own body in this life. Do the best you can in your own life. Take your eyes off what's happening with other people. Put your eyes on the Lord And when you look in that mirror, you're going to see plenty of things to fix in your own life, right? But in the house of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, like we said, God had blessed Joseph. And his master Potiphar put him in charge of everything. And Potiphar was a very wealthy man. But Joseph was in charge of it all. Here he was, his servant, in charge of all the wealth of this guy Potiphar. And Potiphar only knew how much food he had to eat everything else he put in joseph's hand that's what the scriptures had said last week but one day potiphar's wife as we read last week tried over and over again to get joseph to have sexual relations with her it had said in the scripture that he was a good looking guy you know but she tried to get him to have sexual relations with her over and over And time after time, Joseph refused. He knew that God had blessed him and given him favor before Potiphar, and that Potiphar had seen that Joseph was a man of integrity, a man of God. And Potiphar also knew that he could trust Joseph in everything. And Joseph would not betray that witness and betray that trust, so he turned down the repeated advances of Paro's wife. When they were alone, she tried to seduce him. When her husband was there, of course, she acted like she never did any of that. So after a while, when she saw that she wasn't making any progress and that Joseph wasn't going to have relations with her, in her anger, she made up a lie about Joseph. She claimed that he had attacked her. There were no witnesses. It was her word against Joseph's. And when her husband came home later in the day, she lied to her husband, and accused Joseph of something that he never did. And as a result, Potiphar threw Joseph into a special prison that the the king's enemies and lawbreakers were kept in that prison. And so Joseph was locked away there. But in that prison is where God began to bless Joseph again and he gave him favor with the warden of the prison, the guy who was responsible for the prison. And in fact, the warden was so impressed at how trustworthy and wise Joseph was that he made him the manager over all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And It was nice to see God blessing him in the prison, but Joseph must have wondered at some time or another, why was he in the prison in the first place? He had been an honest man, a man of integrity, refusing to have an affair with a married woman. Why did God allow this to happen to him? It seemed that everything was going good at the house of Potiphar, and then it all just kind of crumbled down to the ground because someone lied about him, someone betrayed him. And so we see that the same sorts of things that happened to us happened to Joseph as well. But when they happen to us, we just need to keep on walking in the Lord. Keep on waiting on the Lord and being patient in God's plan. Let's continue now with verse 5 as we continue on quickly now through the rest of the chapter. It's a short chapter. Verse 5 says, Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream one night, both of them. EACH MAN'S DREAM IN ONE NIGHT, AND EACH MAN'S DREAM WITH ITS OWN INTERPRETATION. THEN VERSE 6 SAYS, AND JOSEPH CAME INTO THEM IN THE MORNING. HE LOOKED AT THEM, AND IT LOOKED LIKE THEY WERE SAD. SO HE ASKED PARO'S Paro's OFFICERS WHO WERE WITH HIM IN THE CUSTODY OF THE LORD'S HOUSE, SAYING, WHY DO YOU LOOK SO SAD TODAY? (laughs) WELL, YOU KNOW, OKAY, HERE'S NUMBER ONE, WE'RE IN PRISON. (laughs) <laughs> We're not in our houses. We didn't sleep in our bed. We're in prison. Okay, but they didn't say that. It seems like Joseph had been encouraging them enough to where he'd taken their attention off of their surroundings. And today, they didn't look as happy as they usually looked. And he could tell. And he was concerned about them. Like God is concerned about us, he was concerned about them. He said, why do you look so sad today? And then they began to tell him. It says in verse 8, and they said to him, We have each had a dream and there is no interpreter of the dream. Now back in those days, there were interpreters that would try to interpret the dreams, many times. They couldn't do it at all, of course, and they were just telling the king that they had this power to interpret the dreams and they would make up some interpretation for the dream and the king thought they were telling the truth and they they would always tell the king, oh, yeah, uh, that's because you had that dream and that means that you are a mighty king and no one's ever going to take your throne away. And they would just tell him what he wanted to hear, you see. And so interpreters of dreams were people that existed at that time. It's not like today. And there other people would listen to these people to interpret their dreams, the same way that people go to doctors today and ask them what they're going through, and they have depression, counseling, and all these things. These people had dreams, and they were sad that there was no interpreter to tell them what their dream meant. Because at that time, they felt that every dream meant something. Most of the time when I dream a bad dream now, it's because I ate chili right before I went to bed. You should never do that. It's too spicy. and It's going to be there with you, uh, talking to you all night long. and You don't want that. But anyway, these guys had a dream. Each one of them had a dream on the same night. Well, Joseph heard this, and they didn't have an interpreter. So it continues in verse 8. Joseph said to them, Well, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell your dreams to me, please. Now, let's pause right there at the end of verse 8. It's Something interesting that we saw here, continuing on from the previous verses, again, we see that Joseph is concerned about the prisoners. He noticed they were sad that day. That tells me that he went out of his way to encourage the other prisoners. He went out of his way every day to look for the other prisoners and see how they were doing. What was he doing? He knew they were in jail. He knew that their situation was difficult, was hard, and they were in a time of trial in life. But Joseph decided to be a little ray of light in that dark prison and to encourage them as much as he could. He was bringing some good news, the good news of God's love. And in him, they saw God and His love for others because he encouraged and cared about others. Joseph must have reminded them continuously of the blessings that they had, even in prison. Yeah, here you are in prison, I understand, and that bed is hard there, and these floors are cold at night and everything. But you know what? You have good health. You have good health. There's other people right now going through sicknesses and pain and suffering right now, and look at you, you've got good health. And you know what? You can see well, you still have your eyes, you can hear well, you've got all of your limbs and look at you, you're really blessed in areas that you haven't really noticed. He was reminding them that they have blessings even in prison, things that they could thank God for even in the times of trial. Do you think about those times, those things a blessing in the times of your trials? It's a good thing to do, you know. You can sit there worried about all the things you're going through and worry all that time and not accomplish anything. It only makes you sick. It makes you feel worse. It makes you worry. It makes you fearful. It makes you afraid of what you're going through, of how things are going to turn out. But if you look and find the things that God has given you, the things that you are still enjoying, and you turn it around and you start blessing Him for that, It'll turn that frown upside down for you. And it'll turn it into a smile. And you'll have a different outlook on the trial that you're in. And you'll know that God is there with you. And that everything is going to work out soon for your benefit. Because He's promised you that it will. And no matter how dark that trial that you're facing, just realize that there are things around you to be thankful for. Now look at Joseph's faith in God in verse 8. After being told by these two prisoners that they each had a dream the night before, Joseph basically said, No problem. God knows the meaning of dreams. Tell me what it is. I'll give you an interpretation. Would you have done that? I think most people would have said like, Oh, well, you had a dream. Gee, it's too bad you don't have an interpreter. I don't know what that means, you know, but maybe, uh, maybe you'll find out what it means someday. But here's Joseph, a man who trusts in God, knows that God is all-powerful. God cares about the affairs of men, you see. And he's saying, well, God knows what dreams are. Tell me. I'll pray about it, and I believe God will give you the interpretation. He, instead of worrying about it or just walking away from them, asked God to help. Joseph put himself on the spot there, didn't he? Now, no doubt, he'd been talking about God, trying to encourage these prisoners there, and now they would all see if the God that Joseph spoke of was real or not. Joseph didn't have any doubts about God's power, so right there in front of them, Joseph told them, God's going to let you know what your dreams mean. Tell me what they are, and we'll get an interpretation from God. He's a man that believed in God. God just wasn't someone that he read about. God was someone he talked to. God was someone he listened to. God was someone he knew. And Joseph was someone that God knew because he believed on God. It would not be very long at all before they would see if Joseph's interpretations of the dreams were real or not. So Joseph put it all on the line and he put everything on God. He was a man who trusted in the Lord. Now let's continue on at verse 9 see what happens. Says verse 9, then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, well, in my dream was a vine before me. And in the vine there was, uh, there were three branches and it was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. And then Paro's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes and pressed them into Paro's cup and placed the cup in Paro's hand. Verse 12 then says, And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of your dream. Now, before we get into this, a butler is the guy who prepared the wine for Paro's cup. We have two people here. We have the baker who prepares the food for Paro. We have the butler who prepares the thing to drink for Paro. And he had envisioned this branches, three branches with grapes, so he would press them down together and make them into wine and serve it to Paro in his dream. And so in verse 12, Joseph said, well, here's the interpretation then. The three branches are three days. Verse 13, so within three days, Paro will lift up your head and restore you to your place in his palace. And you will put Paro's cup in his hand in the same way you did before, according to the former manner, when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house, out of this prison. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here, that they should put me into the dungeon. And so not only does Joseph give the butler the interpretation of his dream. He gives him the good news that within three days you're going to be back in your job and out of this prison and everything. But please remember me and tell Paru about me because nobody knows about me. I don't have any family here and I didn't do anything wrong. Okay? And so, That's the way he left it in verse 15. He says, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I've done nothing here that they should put me in this dungeon. Now, Joseph gives a favorable interpretation to this dream, right? Cool. Good news. The wine bearer was going to be restored and out of prison. Well, that guy was happy. Now look at verse 14. Joseph says, oh, by the way, put in a good word for me when you get out. Joseph knew that God had given him the interpretation and that it would come to pass. And he knew that the uh, butler would would get out of the prison within three days. Again, he put his faith in God on the line. He said, this is what God's going to do. And he didn't say, oh, he's going to do it in a few years. We don't know exactly when. And we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but God's going to bless you, brother. He didn't say that. He said, within three days, you're going to be out of this prison. It wouldn't be long before that butler knew if Joseph was really a man of God, a man that trusted God, a man that had a connection with God. It wouldn't be long before Joseph's God would be proven in the eyes of the butler and the baker. Joseph knew that what God had given him as the interpretation would come to pass, and soon he even said within three days, and so he was asking for help to get out of the prison himself. Now let's continue in verse 16 as we start wrapping up this chapter. It says, when the chief baker, remember the first guy who communicated the dream to Joseph was the butler, the guy who brought the wine to Paro. But now it says, when the chief baker, the guy who brought the food for Paro, when he saw that the interpretation that Joseph gave to the butler was good, He said then to Joseph, I also was in my dream and there were three white baskets on my head and the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for paro and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And Joseph didn't have really that good of news for this guy, but he didn't hold back the news either. He told the truth. So verse 18, Joseph said, well, here's the interpretation of your dream and the three baskets, or three days, and so far so good, right? I mean, the, the baker is hearing this and go, Oh, good, the, the butler is going to be released in three days, and here's my three days too. He's talking about it in verse 18. And, but then he says, Within three days, pyro will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Ouch. Now the baker heard the favorable interpretation he had given the wine bearer the butler. And he must have thought, now it's my turn to get some good news. Verse 16, 17, 18 gets him all happy and he's waiting as Joseph is going, yeah, and okay, and these are three days and, and that basket, that's the bread and everything and you're, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're the baker and everything. But, but then he gets all happy, but it's not going to be the news he was looking for. Now notice here that Joseph was faithful to speak what God was giving him. Good news, bad news, but all the news. Where have we heard that before? Television? I guarantee you haven't heard it in a long time. Wouldn't it be nice if our news providers today would simply tell us the news? Tell us what the president is doing good, and then tell us what he's doing bad. Tell us what the prime minister is doing good, and then what he's doing bad. Don't just tell us what he's doing good all the time. Don't just tell us what he's doing bad all the time, depending on your own political opinions. Tell us the facts and let us decide. Let us make up our mind. Tell us the facts and let us decide what's going on. Don't try to program us into what you want us to believe. That's an agenda, and news shouldn't be that way. News should be all the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly. I think it was Clint Eastwood, right? Yeah, Clint Eastwood, the good, bad, the ugly. Well, anyway, the news should be all of the news. They don't tell you how to decide. They shouldn't tell you how to decide. They just tell you what's going on. Then you decide what to think about it. Most people are pretty smart. Most people are able to think about that on their own, right? Wouldn't that be nice if news went that way? But it seems like that's just a thing of the distant past. Oh, well, but I, just, I digress. Verse 20 now says that we finish up these last few verses. It says, Now when it came to pass on the third day, it was Pyro's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to the work that he had done, to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Paro's hand again. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. And yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. So three days later we see that the interpretation that Joseph Joseph had asked God for were proven to be true. Now the chief butler and had the chief baker who was no longer with us now, both saw that Joseph's God was the real true living God and that he did miracles and he was concerned with the affairs of men and he was not some God that was way out there, but he was a God that was right there and would answer prayer. He saw that Joseph's God was the real true living God that made heaven and earth. And yet... Verse 23, we see the sad commentary that the chief butler didn't remember Joseph. We don't know if he got excited. We don't know if if he was scared of Pharaoh and didn't want to mention anything about Joseph. So three days later, we see it all coming to pass as Joseph had said it would be when he interpreted their dreams way down in that dark dungeon of a prison. Chief butler was released, and once again serving Pharaoh, but the chief butler forgot about Joseph. So Joseph stayed in prison. Now that could have been very discouraging to Joseph, and, but never do we read about him complaining. He figured that God was still there with him and that he must have a reason for keeping him in, in that prison a longer time. And he was absolutely right. Because in the second part of this message next week, we're going to cover... And we'll see that there's an amazing miracle going to happen where Joseph goes from being a lowly prisoner to the most powerful man in all of Egypt. And it would have never happened if Joseph had not been sold into slavery. And it would have never happened if Joseph had not been sold as a slave to Potiphar, again after being sold to the Ishmaelites. And it would have never happened if Joseph had not been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And it would have never happened if the chief butler had not forgotten about Joseph after he got out of prison. Next week, we're going to see this amazing miracle that elevates a lowly prisoner to the most powerful man in Egypt. But here's what I want you to remember. It had to happen. God's plan was set to unfold at exactly the right time. And if Joseph hadn't been in this ugly, dark, dungy prison, he would have never met these men. And if he would have never met this these men, he would have never given them interpretations of their dreams. And now next week, we're going to read that the butler actually does remember And Pharaoh has a dream that he wants to know the interpretation of. So the chief butler tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And Joseph comes and interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And the Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that he makes him second in command in all of Israel. Controlling all the money, all the food, everything that happens. Only in name and in the throne was Paro higher than Joseph. So you see, there was a reason for the dungeon. There was a reason for being sold into slavery. Now Joseph would be over a supply of food that God had told him a famine was going to come and Joseph would be in charge of a supply of food and he would be able to give food to his family back in Canaan and save their lives when other people were dying. All because he had been sold into slavery by his brothers. All because the Ishmaelites that he was sold to sold him then to Potiphar who worked for Pharaoh. All because uh, Potiphar's wife had falsely accused Joseph of trying to attack her, and he ended up in the jail that happened to be the jail of the prisoners of Paro, or the king of Egypt. And because he was there, when the baker and the butler were put in there and had these dreams, Joseph was able to interpret it, and now Joseph will be able to interpret Paro's dream because the butler will remember him next week when we talk about it. And because of all of that, he becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt, really the most powerful man. But it would have never happened if he would have gotten out of those prisons early. It would have never happened if he hadn't been sold into slavery. It would have never happened if the chief butler and the, chief and the baker had not been having those dreams and needed an interpretation. Joseph could have complained about his situation. He could have gone, Lord, why do you have me in these places? This is so hard, Lord. No one even knows that I'm here. Well, it's okay, because God was going to bring people there to him because of their own transgressions and everything, and they were going to bring them into the prison. They were going to meet Joseph, and then they were going to tell other people outside of the prison about Joseph. When you find yourself in the trials, don't complain to God. And it's not because God hates you. It's not because you've done something wrong. And, oh, oh, we've always done something wrong. And we just tend to set the bar a little higher. We go, oh, if I've done something really, really wrong, God must be mad at me. You realize we do wrong every day, probably every minute, every minute out of every hour. Our lust of our eyes, thoughts of the flesh, covetousness, all of these different things that we could do wrong that God could judge us for. But God loves us, and He's proven that on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16, Barbrit in the New Testament. So you see, all these things are part of God's plan to do something amazing. And you and I are thinking about our plans for today, and what's going to happen today. But God's thinking years down the road. The things that He puts you through today is part of a plan that's much bigger than you can imagine. You are part of a grand, amazing plan. And God will use you in a major way. But don't worry about the things that you plan for your life. Submit yourself to the plans that God has for your life. And be patient with Him knowing that he is there with you through all of these trials, just like Joseph. He'll use Joseph now to save Joseph's family back in Canaan, all of his brothers, even the ones that sold him into slavery, his father, his father's wives, all the entire family of Israel. And remember that it will be through Jacob, who is also called Israel, that God will send his Mashiach, the Messiah, to take the sins of mankind upon himself, that mankind might have everlasting life even to all of those who believe on the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord. All who believe on Him will be saved. So when you're in the darkness, not understanding why all these things are happening around you the way they are, when you're wondering where God is in all your trials and afflictions, just remember, God has a beautiful plan for it all on up ahead. And He's counting on you to be patient in His plan. Amen? Why don't you give your life to the Lord today, right now? You know, if you call out to Him, He'll hear you cry and He'll answer you and He'll rescue you from that darkness you're in and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given a new life. He'll change you into a new person, throw all those bad failures away and you'll be made completely new, given a new start. And He will give you everlasting life in heaven, just like John 3.16 said, as we quoted, on believing on His Son, the Messiah, the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. And that's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity today to believe in Yeshua as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. It's the simplest thing for the greatest gift. You could pray something like this. Just repeat it after me if you'd like. You could say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus, the Messiah, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll tell you something. God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. He's already at work. A little seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him every day in His Word. Talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life.